This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Faith 2.8. Everybody say faith, faith. At, a at a higher level. The whole point of this series, uh, take, take, take your Bibles to John 5, John 5. The whole point of this series is to simply to get you to see through Scripture that there is a higher place in faith than where you possibly might be now. Matter of fact, I can even, I can even subtract that comment and make it this statement. There's always a higher place in faith than where you are right now. Always. There's a greater place in faith than where you are. The key is that we need to get to the place where God's taking us. And God's taking us up. He's taking us higher. And I've just, I've just chose to call this series Faith 2.0. It's basically trying to get the message across that it's at a higher level, a higher place of faith. To all of our guests, thank you for being with us. If you're a visitor today, we welcome you to Calvary Church, and we want you to be comfortable. You just be yourself today. That's all we could ever ask of you. John chapter 5 and verse number 1. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. To give you a kind of a better understanding of this, imagine a pool of water, a natural spring, if you will, and imagine these these elevated uh, stations that were protected from the sun and it would allow these crippled and sick ones a place to rest. And you might ask, well, what are they resting for? Why are they there? Well, let's read on and let's see what, what brings them there. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Now, when Jesus saw him, and knew that he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, and this, this, this scripture is read out of the New Living Translation, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Now, in the King James Rendering of scripture, he says, I have no man when the waters, when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. If you've never been familiar with this portion of scripture, and I, I'm very aware that we have a few people here today that this would be new to you because I know you and I know that you're new to Christianity and uh, this is a new, new step in your journey of faith. Let me explain what's going on. In this culture, in this particular place, there was a word on the street, there was a rumor, there was a belief that when this natural spring would bubble up, it was thought that the first person that could get in the water would be healed. So they had so much confidence in this body of water. They felt as though an angel would come and stir the water up as though it would be, I'm taking my liberty here, as though it would be some kind of magical moment 
Oh, the waters are bubbling. The water's troubled. I need to get in the water because I know I'll be healed. What had possibly happened at some point or the other, someone had had a miracle take place in their life and it happened to coincide with this act of the water being troubled or bubbling up as a natural spring would be. And boy, it just spread like wildfire that that's, that's how you receive a healing is if you can get into that water before anyone else can get into the water. So we find that all of the confidence, all the faith was now in a few things. It was in the water and it was also in beating everyone else to the water. So there was this competition taking place among all these crippled and sick folk that if they could just get into the water. Well, we understand that there was nothing magical about this water. So what, what Christ does is he paints this beautiful picture of what the church should be and that is a place of imperfect people a place of people that have needs in their life Jesus is always attracted to those that are seeking a change in their life and Jesus walks into the scene and he says, uh, you know, he looks at all, all, all around and all these people are troubled and challenged and, and they've been disappointed with life and they have physical ailment and sickness and disease. And, and he looks at one and he says, would you like to be made well? And, and this crippled man says, I can't, I can't get in the water first. I, you know, you must be new here, Jesus. You must be new to town. The whole point is us getting in this water. Well, Jesus then takes on, he, he deals with this false doctrine, this, this mistaken belief, he just goes ahead and deals with it and settles the issue for everyone. And he says, uh, would you like to be made whole? I don't have a man. And the, and the Bible says in verse eight, Jesus told him, well, why don't you just stand up and take up your mat and walk? Well, instantly the man was healed. Never went into the water. Never had to, never had to step into those bubbled up troubled waters Jesus healed him right there on dry ground just to let everyone know that the miracle doesn't take place in anything that you can work up oftentimes people mistake the supernatural as something you could work up I've told this story a few times and, and I only share it because I know what church this is and I know where some of you come from and we all have a little bit of history that some of us, whether you be Southern Baptist or, or whether you be a Methodist background or Pentecostal background, we're all from the South, you, you with me? And what happens is all of us at some point or another, grandma or, or aunt somebody or uncle somebody, you know, we've all touched this at some point. We put a lot of faith and confidence in getting things worked up. We can just work it up. I grew up in a church that had a little metal fold-out chair. And supposedly, boy, you would get your breakthrough if you could just sit in that chair and have Brother Odom Ray. If Brother Odom would pray for you, all your troubles would go away. Man, the only thing you got was some loose disc in your neck if Brother Odom prayed for you. You'd walk out more crippled than you were when you sat down. Boy, Brother Odom slapped the, ah! and that chair would be wobbling. Boy, I bet they had to reset them screws in that chair every year. Wasn't anything magical or potent about that chair. But boy, we thought, if I could just get in that chair and let Brother Odom pray. Well, Jesus went against all of that stuff, and he wanted to bring the spotlight. Everybody say the spotlight. He wanted to bring the spotlight back on the light of the world. He wanted to bring the light back on 
him. And so he went against this false doctrine, Sister Donnie. He went against this mistaken thought, Sister Donnie. And he said, pick up your mat and walk. Be healed. And that's what this crippled man did. He walked on. And the Bible says that he ran into some Jewish officials, some Jewish leaders. And they said, what in the world are you doing, son? It's the Sabbath day. Why are you carrying around that mat? And he said, I've been healed. These people got upset that Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. It's amazing to me how people get upset at the craziest things. We just had a man that's been crippled for 38 years be healed, and you're worried about what day it is. Isn't it weird how we get just upset and bent out of shape over the most ridiculous things? Can't believe they don't turn down the lights and worship. At least we're worshiping. <laughs> Young people getting upset, man. I don't know why they got to sing them old songs. What's the big deal? Old people, my God, I hadn't understood a word they've said today. What's the big deal? You could tell, man, you could tell certain people get upset over certain little things. But yet at the end, Jesus like put the spotlight back on where, where it needs to be. And he performs this miracle. Now let me move quick today. I'm just going to kind of try to preach this as a summary this morning to help somebody get a little higher in their faith. I think that we make too many assumptions of what's possible and what's not possible with God. We assume there's some things that God either can't, won't, not interested in performing. We think it's just too little for him, that he's got bigger fish to fry. Or we think it's too big that, that we, don't, we can never see something like that happen. But yet, Jesus says that with God, all things are possible. Boy, that covers what? All things. But yet, we limit God. We tie his hands with our unbelief. We put God in a tight spot, so to speak, to work in our lives because we just assume he's not interested or it's not possible. And we allow our logical assumptions to trump our theological beliefs we believe the word of God that all things are possible but when we look at this or we look at that we just assume well that doesn't qualify to be one of the all things and we just limit God and God is truly interested in every facet of our lives every facet the smallest detail the greatest hurdle to be jumped our assumptions, boy, they'll hold us back from enjoying this sweet place in God. Faith doesn't ignore this man's physical challenge. Faith doesn't ignore it. Matter of fact, the word of God, when breathed upon man, it was chosen to reveal to us that he had been crippled for 38 years. So faith is not ignoring the fact that this man's had a problem for a long time. There's some of you in here that's been dealing with some of the same problems for a long time. Life has a way of just, just repeating the same hurt and the same disappointment, the same challenge, the same difficulty. And it's been a long time that you've been dealing with this same issue in your life. 
This is a great example. This is a great biblical application for you. If you just can't seem to get on top of whatever it might be in your life, this story of this particular man could literally be the breakthrough story for your faith to go up a notch. Because this man's been dealing with it for 38 years. And for 38 years, he's been living with the words, I will never walk again. At some point, he heard those words and they lodged in the back of his mind and he has been stuck for 38 years, immobile and without freedom of of walking. But yet faith, while it does not ignore the obvious, faith always seeks a second opinion. I know what the doctors say, you'll never walk again, but faith says, I will seek another opinion from a greater physician. I will let Jesus have a say-so in the matter. Faith always goes above the natural into a different realm of the supernatural and gives God a chance to have a say-so in the matter. And where God specializes is in areas that humanity fails. The very weakest part of our lives is where he shines the brightest. The very most difficult parts of our understanding is where he does the best. See, here's the thing. I tried to say this last week, and I I didn't really do a good job last week communicating this. Everybody wants a miracle, but they don't want a problem that necessitates a miracle. I know I don't. I don't want the kind of problem that needs a miracle. I want the problem that I can work out. I like the problems, you know, that maybe a few extra dollars can solve. I like the problem that a little bit more work could fix. I like the kind of problem that, you know, I might know him or her that can help me fix that problem. The kind of problem that requires a miracle, I don't want those kind of problems. So I worry about people that are always saying they they, they want a miracle because really what you're doing is you're asking for a really big problem. This man had a really big problem that required a miracle. And Jesus Christ comes by the great physician and he writes him a prescription. Melissa, he writes him a prescription. But it didn't have crazy handwriting like all of you doctors do to to make us think you're smarter than everybody else. No, you just have bad penmanship. That's all it comes down to. He writes him a prescription. And do you know what the great physician's prescription was for this crippled man? It was simple. Get up. Get up. But let's be honest, this man, the greatest hurdle in his life was this very problem. He's been trying to get up for 38 years. And don't you know, I'm not trying to throw this guy under the bus, but if we're honest with each other, this gentleman probably thought about that statement just like you and I would have thought about it, and that is, you've missed it. Do you not realize I've been trying to get up for 38 years? All this time I thought you were Jesus and you're telling me to get up. These legs don't work. And you're telling me to get up. Of course Jesus knew. Of course in his omniscience and his incredible wisdom and his creative ability of even knowing the dilemma at hand, Jesus knew Jesus just wanted to know, does he have a desire? Does he have anything left within him? Does he have another 
chance left? Does he have any fire still burning within him? Will he at least say yes to the question, do you want to get well? Jesus is not concerned about 38 years. Jesus is concerned about right here, right now, do you want to get well? And this guy's thinking, what do you mean do I want to get well? 38 years I've been trying to get into this water. That's not what I've asked you. I've asked you, do you want to get well? Of, Of course I want to get well. Well, get up and walk. Here's the point this morning. Stay with me as I move quickly. Here's the point. Sometimes you've got to reach down deep and do what you've always done, even though it's never worked, you have to do it one more time because you never know when your next time will be your time. But you'll never know that if you stop in the middle of the process. You never know when your next prayer will be the breakthrough and your prayer will be answered. You never know when your next attempt of of love and reaching for someone to care for them, it will be reciprocated. You never know when your next offering of forgiveness will be received. You never know when your next time just might be your time. But if you choose to lay there and have this argument with Jesus Christ... Do you not get it, Lord? For 38 years, I've been trying to get up, and you're going to tell me to get up. Couldn't you have at least, like, taken out some kind of oil that all those preachers carry and, like, pour it on my head? Do something. Couldn't you at least, like, say, would the elders come and pray? Would you at least have James pray? Could you not do something? Is there not anything super cool and supernatural? All you've got for me is get up. And Jesus is looking at him saying, all I need from you is to get up. All you've got from me, Lord, is a word saying get up. And Jesus is saying, all it takes from me is to ask you, will you get up? We overcomplicate things so much with God. Man, listen to me. I believe in the laying on of hands of the elders. I believe with the anointing of oil. I believe in prayer meetings. I believe in all of this. But don't put your confidence in your faith in a bottle of oil. Don't put your confidence and faith in Brother Odom getting you in the metal chair. Put your confidence in the fact that if you'll just show some want to, God's got the miracle working ability. He's just asking you, do you want to get well? Can you answer the question, do you want things to turn around in your life? All God's asking today in this sermon is, do you want things to change? But God, you don't understand. He's not asking for that. He's not, he doesn't need to know the reasons why. He doesn't need to know how you got to the point you're in. He doesn't need to know what you're up against. He just wants to know, do you want things to change? It's real simple with the Lord. He doesn't overcomplicate things. You know why? Because he made us and he knows our abilities and our capacities. He does not want us to have to really think about this too much. Thinking too much is where we've gotten ourselves to right now. He's just wanting to know, do you want things to change? Then get up. Somebody say, I received this. This man is at the brink of redemption. He is literally standing uh, so close to the edge of falling into having, to having things, his time, having his 38 years of lack and, and disappointment. He's having it restored and redeemed. Listen to me, somebody. 
I know that you feel like you've got some days, months, years. Some of you even have some seasons of your life where life has stripped you from, from what you thought it should have been. The divorce set you back so bad financially. It set you back emotionally. Uh, the letdown and the hurt, the breaking of trust, uh, the, the disappointment has put you into a position where you look back and you say, man, I wasted five years of my life or I wish that this season would come to an end because I'm hurt in my heart. My finances have suffered. Maybe the, maybe the unemployment has taken its toll on you emotionally. Maybe some of you are, 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 are emotionally and mentally on a roller coaster lately and, and, and you're trying to see every doctor you can to get you leveled out and you look back over your life and you say, wow, I wish things could have been different for these period of days and months and years. Here's what's so cool about Jesus Christ. Jesus knows how to give that time back to you. This man was crippled for 38 years. Matter of fact, the book of Joel says it this way. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. And it's not just repaid. It's repaid with some interest. Because the abundant life that Jesus offers is not just catch you up where you should have been. Can I just speak a word into somebody's life? It's never too late to be the person that you might have been. It's never too late to be the person that you might have been. Here's what we do. The child out of wetlock set me back. The failure out of college set me back. The bankruptcy set me back. The divorce set me back. The accident uh, that, that caused, the, the, that caused the, the, the physical ailment, it set me back. All of this adds up to a place where we look back and we say, boy, I wish it could have been different. Jesus has not one ounce of concern in you looking back at all of that. He's come by to just say, do you want to get well? We all want to live in yesterday, and Jesus is saying, yesterday's over. Do you want to get well? If you want to get well, then get up. Come on, somebody. Here's the thing. We have to make some clear choices, some definitive decisions. We have to come to grips with ourselves that, you know what, I've got to get back in it. I've got to get back in the game. I've, I know I've got years of hurt and disappointment and setback, but I've got to get back to believing. I've got to get back to praying. I've got to get back to trusting because you never know when my next time could be my time. But it will never happen if you choose to be on the sideline. Here we are, we're just a few days away, 22 days away from opening uh, day of baseball. Can I get an amen, somebody? That's the best amen all day, man. Y'all are carnal. <clears throat> Here I am preaching the word, and everybody's like, <sniffs> baseball. Hallelujah, praise God, Jesus, now. glory. 22 days away from baseball season. Imagine with me a professional, highly paid, skilled major leaguer that come opening day, he looks out there from the dugout and says, I'm not getting in that batter's box. What do you mean you're not going to get in the batter's box? I'm not getting in the batter's box. But you're paid to get in the batter's box. I'm not getting in the batter's box. Man, you're one of the best hitters of all time. I'm not getting in the batter's box. Why? Because I struck out last time. Could you imagine that? He wouldn't have his place on the team long, would he? Great hitters have such selective memory. They're not concerned about the last strikeout. We've seen it game after game. 
They could go strike out, sit on the bench, go out, play three outs, come out. But when their cycle comes back around and they're called to the plate, son, the pros get in there. Son, they dig in, they get the bat out, and they get to warming up, and they're thinking, uh-huh, I'm going to get him this time. I'm going to get him this time. I hope he does that little curveball again. He got me last time, but I'm going to yank it out of the yard this time. And they sit there eyeing that pitcher down, and they're looking for what? The next pitch. They're looking for the next pitch. They're not worried about the strikeout. They're looking for the next pitch because the very next pitch could be the difference in the game. Great hitters always look for the chance to swing the bat. Great hitters don't go down looking. Great hitters don't sit there and just take it. Great hitters will always swing for the fences. Can I just preach to somebody this morning? I know that last week's prayer didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. I know that last year's prayer maybe didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. But that doesn't mean it's time to stop praying because your next prayer could be the prayer that changes everything. I've just come by to lift somebody up a little bit to tell you, now's the time to pray more than ever. Now's the time to give more than ever. Now's the time to love more than ever. Now's the time to trust more than ever. It's not time to stay out of the box. It's time to get in the box. People with great faith keep swinging. Tell your neighbor real quick, say, keep swinging for it. Keep swinging at it. Keep swinging. Keep swinging. Won't be long until you start picking up them seams coming across home plate. Won't be long till you start hearing the crack of that bat and you just do one of them little numbers, you hold it out like that. Then you drop it. <laughs> boy, if I was a major leaguer, boy, I'd be the most hated man in the game. I'd just, I'd yank one out and I'd just go. <laughs> that's why I would. That's why, that's why I ain't one. <laughs> Well, church softball taught me a lesson. <laughs> I'm talking about that D-League ball, you know, where it comes in there like slow motion, and you're like, whiff. Bless your hearts. Love you. <laughs> Go sit down, Pastor Tommy. Go sit down. But when y'all want to tee it up, y'all let me know. All right, let's move on. <clears throat> There's a gentleman in history. His name's Ty Cobb. Had one of the greatest hitting percentages of all time one of the great hitters he had a lifetime hitting average of 367 lifetime I'm talking about in the bad games the good games the short games the long games the days he was sick the days he felt good when it's all said and done this brother hit 367 that's serious when he was in his 70s he played in an old timers game little old timers game you know and the story is, after it was over, a little young, cocky reporter asked him, he said, Mr. Cobb, I know you were, you were one of the greats back in your era, but what do you think you would do in this era of baseball? You know, with, with all, the, all the stuff that we deal with now, what would you do? And Ty Cobb, in a frail, weak voice, Scott, he told me, he said, I'd probably hit about 320. And the reporter was like, Three, really? You think so? It would be... It'd be 320, is that because, what, let, let me guess, is that because maybe some of the new pitches or maybe the night games or all the extensive travel, is that why? <laughs> Little Ty Cobb never missed a beat. That brother said, no, it's because I'm 72 years old. 
72 years old, still thinking, all I need is one or two pictures. I'll look at it. I'll find it. I'll see it. And I'll say, pop. 72. Great hitters never stop swinging the bat. If you're ever going to get to faith at another level, you never stop praying. You never stop believing. When your family members look at you and say, it's time to curse God, Job. We've lost it all. You can't stop swinging the bat. When everybody looks at you and says, but your business has failed, never stop swinging the bat. When everybody looks at you and says, but your kids aren't even saved, never stop swinging the bat. When they look at you and say, but nothing's good really ever happened to you, never stop swinging the bat. At some point, you're going to have to get this. If you're ever going to go higher in God, you can't just sit on the bench and say, things didn't work out the way I thought they would. Or you can't sit on the bench and say, I'm going to let somebody else do it. If that's the case, you're just going to be at faith, point two. And yeah, you'll be saved. Yeah, you'll go to heaven. But let me tell you something. You'll go through a lot getting there. But whenever you get to the point at 2.0, brother, you can walk in high cotton with the best of them knowing that with God, all things are possible. I may not understand it. I may not get it, but I know that God is going to work it all out for my good. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord today. If y'all can help me, the North worship team can come. Let me introduce you to somebody. Some of you might know this gentleman. His name is Nick Vojacic. Nick Vojacic. This gentleman has had some setbacks. You might be familiar with his face. You may have seen him. He's a Utah, uh, YouTube phenomenon. This gentleman has no arms. This gentleman has no legs. No arms. No legs. And what would be his greatest setbacks have become his greatest resource because this gentleman now speaks all across the world because he's got so much heart where he's lacking in other areas. He's a voice of the generation that we're in. And this gentleman, I want you to see the cover of his recent book called Unstoppable. He's surfing. You say, how is that possible? That's photoshopped. All things are possible if you got a little want to. Somehow or another, this gentleman, Nick Vojcik, he has a pair of shoes that he keeps in his closet. And when one reporter was doing a documentary on this man, asking him question after question, Mr. Emmett, the reporter said, Nick, I hate to make this uncomfortable and I hate to be so awkward with this question, but I'm, I have to talk about the elephant here in the room. You don't have any arms and you don't have any legs, but yet you got shoes in your closet. I, can you help me? What, what's all that about? And the man never missed a beat. He said, because I believe in miracles. You believe in miracles? I believe in miracles. And if I'm not ready to receive a miracle, I probably never have a miracle. Some of you just need to hear what the word of the Lord is trying to say to you this morning. Do you want to get well? Do you have anything in you that has some want to? Are you prepared to receive what God has for you? Are you doing everything you can do to set yourself up for a miracle? Somebody say amen this morning. Why don't you change that, 
that picture for me real quick. Here's the thing. Whether you be Nick Vorchick or whether you be a man like this paralyzed man, Antoine, in the book of John chapter number 5 for 38 years, all of us have our own issues. You don't, you, all of us have our own problems. All of us have our own difficulties. But the question is, will we just lie down and take it on the chin and say this is what it's always going to be? Or are we going to look up at the master and say, yes, sir, I want to get well and I want to take up my mat and I want to walk. Make me whole. For the last few weeks, I've shared with you testimonies from this church, from men and women that sit on the pew with you at Calvary. This morning, I want to share with you one more. One of the great testimonies I think that you'll hear. We're attracted to miracles like blind men having sight, crippled, paralytic men being able to walk, but I'm about to share with you a miracle. It may not be as fascinating because of a withered hand not being stretched. But there's a man in this church, he's in this service right now, that received a miracle. And you'll understand it as we read. I'd been looking for a new job for about a year when I was presented with an incredible opportunity. It involved a raise it would allow me to do exactly what I was wanting to do. However, I would be leaving a secure career. I'd be taking a huge risk. I was reluctant to accept the job, so I took it to prayer and asked the Lord, close this door if it's not your will. But yet the door remained open. So by faith, I took the risk and I accepted the position. Listen, I enjoyed working there for five weeks until I was told I was being laid off. I'm going to kind of say this again because some of y'all are still sitting upright and you didn't fall over. Because that's a fall over kind of statement. That's, that's a huh kind of statement. Fifteen years in one career. Bailed out. Took a risk on a new job. Saying goodbye to 15 years of security, 15 years of 401k, 15 years of moving up the ladder, 15 years of seniority, 15 years of stability and security for a wife and children, new risk, and five weeks later being told you're being laid off. But this is how God works. The story continues. I'd worked in my previous job just over 15 years and had about five weeks of vacation. I attempted to get them to buy out my vacation, but they wouldn't. They said they had to schedule all five weeks and have it on the books. When I found out that my new job, that I was being laid off, I found out with just two working days before my vacation would expire. From the old job. So I call my previous boss. I tell him the situation. And Chelsea the boss said. Well sir you've, you're still employed here. You've not been let go. Your resignation has not been accepted. You're still an employee. Show up to work Monday morning and all is well. It's not near as fascinating as. Blind eyes being made whole because of some spit with clay from the hand of the master. 
But can I tell you in the economy that we live in, in the world that we live in, this is as great of a miracle as you'll ever experience. The hand of God. But can I tell you what faith 2.0 says? Faith 2.0 does not say, well, I must have missed it. I guess my prayers were silly. I guess I totally misunderstood. Let me tell you what faith 2.0 says. I believe that God was protecting me and my family. I do not regret taking the risk at all. Because I still believe that God wanted me to take that chance even though he knew what the end result would be. I can still feel it within my spirit. And I know that whatever he has planned for my future, it is for his glory. And I will be glad to be a part of it. Faith at another level says, I'm not going to second guess my prayer. I'm not going to second guess my tenacity. I'm not going to second guess me taking risk with God. I'm not going to second guess the voice of God and the spirit of the Lord leading me and directing me. The only thing I'm going to be guilty of is this assumption that all things are possible with God. Ladies and gentlemen, Elijah never assumed that the sun wouldn't set still. Peter never assumed that he wouldn't walk on water. Don't make the assumptions of what God can or can't do. God's come by to just let you know from a preacher's point of view this morning and from the word of the Lord that if you'll just get up, if you'll just make an effort and keep swinging for the fences, your next time, it might just be your time and you might be having a testimony of God's miracle working power in your life. Stand to your feet today. I find it interesting that this story about this paralytic, I find it really neat how the word of the Lord in this particular era, the wording, the, 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 the verbiage, it's so like us today. Did you, did you, did you hear as I read, were, was there any of you that were just a little uneasy as I read all the labels that were being handed out, crippled man, blind man, deaf man, label after label, titling these sick people, putting them in little categories of the less fortunate, the disabled, the crippled, the challenged, it's like nothing's changed, man. Here we are, all of us putting labels on each other. You're not defined by what anybody says. Take your identity from the word of God. You're not defined, your identity's not given to you because of what somebody called you, of what somebody pointed out that's wrong with you. Your identity is found in God. Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. And then it wasn't too long. He then said, and your sins are forgiven. Jesus Christ wants to complete the work in your life today. He wants to make you whole. And he wants to save you. All over this room, if you will just give me a moment as I close. And we'll be dismissed here shortly. But I cannot dismiss you from the hearing of the word of the Lord without reaching for your heart. I ask you just to bow your heads right now and close your eyes. 
There are some of you here today for the very first time. There's others of you I haven't seen in a while. I'm not trying to be a policeman and ask you where you've been, but it's obvious that I haven't seen you in a while. Wondering what life is, what road that life has taken you down in the last few weeks and months. What hurdles have you been trying to jump and survive and make it through? What challenges? Before I dismiss you today, I'm reaching for your heart, sir and ma'am. If you need God to do an unbelievable miracle in your life, of which the greatest miracle is to forgive you of your sin and to save your soul and to save your spirit man, if you're here today and you need the wonderful gift of God's salvation, by His grace, if you would just slip up your hand, you know that you're away from God. You know that it's been... It's been a life's journey for you and you've never truly accepted him into your heart. He's never really truly become your Lord and Savior. I would like to lead you this morning in finding Jesus Christ. As your hands remain up, I ask you a secondary, a follow-up question. Is there anyone today that you're just, you've drifted away from him? Maybe it's these hardships that life has brought and it's been a while since you've really reached up to the hand of the Lord. It's never too late to be who you might have been. If today is a day that you just want to come back to know him all over again, lift your hands up quickly. I want to include you this morning as well. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your vulnerability. Let us pray. Father, right now with every hand that's lifted up, these are men and women and some young adults that have taken a chance to trust you with their future. They're trusting you with their heart. Maybe it's not been 38 years, but there's been a period of time in their life where they've been trying to do it all on their own and doing it their way, and it's just not worked. But this morning, Lord, they're wanting to reach up and take you by the hand and allow you to lead them to where you want them to be, and that's to a safe place that's to a place of healing, a place of grace and mercy. I pray right now for every hand that's lifted up. Pray this with me. Jesus, I receive you into my life. I declare that you are my Lord and Savior. I don't want to remain in the position that I've been in. I want to come closer to you. I make you my Lord. I make you my Savior. But Father, I don't want to just remain the same. Let this prayer not be my word only, but let there be a lifestyle change. Let me do something, Lord, to change my course of living. Let me make better choices. Help me make better decisions. I want to honor you with my life. I ask you, Father, right now in Jesus' name to let the power of the Holy Spirit, let it come upon me. Let it become my best friend. Let it teach me. Let it lead me. I thank you for this Sunday. And I thank you for the story that I've heard. I see myself in this same story. And I'm ready to become well. I'm ready to be healed. I'm ready to get up. And I'm ready to do something with my life. By your grace, I pray. In the name of Jesus. 
and let everyone say amen. Let everybody say amen. All right, this morning I want you to turn to the one next to you and tell them, I love you. Come on, help me out. Tell them, I love you. Tell them, I believe in you.